We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. DeAndre Ayton for three. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike, and Sam, DeAndre Ayton, has made two three-pointers. He has. Out of two that he shot. And, he and has. I want to point out, he shot them on purpose. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just the shot clock running out as he caught the ball at half court and he was heaving it up. No, no. One of them, he caught it from out of bounds and switched it. The other one, they actually ran a pick-and-pop play specifically so he could shoot a three that was i think the biggest uh, the biggest moment of these last two scrimmages now that basketball is back on our screens right no doubt uh, that was the biggest t- well there were a bunch of takeaways but that was a huge takeaway from the past two games unfortunately the dream of 29 and 0 is dead uh <laughs> and <laughs> there's 
you know, we, we kind of were recording this right after we finished watching the uh, game today against uh, Boston, uh, and the bench continues to be an issue that we can talk about. But I think that the starters were really encouraging in both of these games, and DeAndre Ayton's looked really, really good. Um, and it's nice to see him shoot. I'll be honest, when he came out a couple weeks ago and, and said he was shooting that three like a midi, you know, I didn't I didn't really take him seriously because how many times have we heard him sort of mention that sort of stuff over the past couple of years and then proceed right. to not do it? Um, it looks good right now. It looks like a, a solid, clean stroke, and he's two for two, and, you know, 100% from the three-point line probably isn't sustainable going forward, but yeah, it, it'd be awesome if just for the rest of his time in the bubble, he's, he just kind of gets into the swing of taking one three per game. Like, if he just right. kind of makes that one of his goals, that would be cool. Part of me was wondering, for both, like, DeAndre Ayton and Ben Simmons, if the fact that there's no crowd there kind of just relieves the pressure of doing something that's sort of outside of your normal comfort zone, right? Because like anytime that Ben Simmons hit a three, I think both of the threes he's hit, (laughs) both of the threes he's hit was at home. And the, like the, the sort of uproar of the crowd almost felt like it was sarcastic with when he made the three because of how excited they were. It was like this giant relief of all of the 76ers fans just exploding in pure joy. And he's shot a lot more. Ben Simmons is also shooting a lot more threes in the bubble. No crowd, no sarcastic applause uh, from the away crowd, right? No uh, like insane uproar from the home crowd that makes you feel almost self-conscious about shooting the three. Part of me was wondering if that, that sort of pressure is now just lifted and these guys just feel more comfortable trying things just because it's just really uh, your team watching and then the other team watching. I, I think that other uh, players can watch. It doesn't seem like that's happening though. I'm sure that'll happen more as we get actually into the playoffs. I think probably everyone's just focused on themselves right now, but we will see it eventually. Um, To your point, it's a good theory. And I think the way we can test that theory is not even just with threes, but free throws. Uh, I'm really interested. And I feel like I haven't seen many people bring up the point of uh, is everyone's free throw percentage going to go up because of the bubble? Because wouldn't, wouldn't you think it would like just not having that pressure there? That's one of the main reasons. Think about it. Like, you know, I remember six, seven years ago when Dwight Howard was on the Lakers. That might have even been eight years ago now. But I remember a story leaking out of, of kind of the Lakers practice facility that that failed season uh, when he was with Kobe and Nash uh, about how Dwight Howard shoots like 85% from the line in practice. Right. And and I feel right, like we've right. heard that. We've heard that from, you know, because for him, it wasn't yeah. even shooting it, threes at the time. It was like people would get into him if he was in an opposing stadium just about hitting free throws above 45%. And, you know, so if that's if that's really the case about how these guys, some of these guys are capable of shooting free throws in practice, I would think that now in the bubble, in this kind of more welcoming environment, you would see free throw percentages rise um, ac- across the board. But I guess we're going to see if that actually happens. Um, but, yeah, if, if it happens with free throws, it might as well happen with threes as well. Yeah, it's funny because the no crowd thing, my, my initial reaction to that was how is it going to affect the energy level of the of the guys that are playing? What I hadn't considered is, like the Suns are better on the road than they were at home. It's kind of a road game for them regularly. But the other part that somebody, uh, I think it was Ben or somebody on Twitter pointed out to me that I thought was a great point as well was how will it affect the officiating? Will the inherent home bias of the of- officials now be gone because there's no home crowd affecting that? And, and you know, look, the Suns have a lot of young players and I think that there's like an officiating bias against young players in general. Uh, they also make more mistakes, so it makes sense that they're going to foul more. But I do wonder if the officiating will be, just be a little more even across the board. These are things that I hadn't really considered. 
uh, when thinking about these bubble games. It's funny how once the game starts, like different thoughts jump into your mind a little more. Like for me, one of the things that stuck out more to me than it did uh, when the games were on previously is the way the Suns are using Cam Johnson. I've been talking about it a little bit on Twitter. I still feel like he's not quite being used correctly. I think oftentimes he catches the ball at the three-point line just standing still there, and now he's expected to uh, attack the closeout, which is commonly just in his face, and go to the rim, which, of course, it's great to develop that skill for him. I just feel like uh, that, that should be something... They should be running him off screens a lot more. He should be catching the ball on the move a lot more than he is, especially in a scenario like this where these games don't matter. Uh, what else has stood out to you? Uh, a bunch of stuff. Let's see, where do I start? Um, Mikhail Bridges. I guess that's where I'll right. start. He's He right. stood out to me. I guess my big thing coming into this was uh, someone has to eat up Kelly Oubre's field goal attempts, right? If Kelly's not going to play, then someone has to take those shots. And I wasn't, I wanted Mikhail to uh, kind of assume that role. And to his credit, so far he has. It's two games. I don't want to make a huge deal out of anything through two games. But just to give you an example, today he played 28 minutes. He took 13 shots uh, and he scored 16 points. The game before, 24 minutes, he took nine shots. And in that game, he had 14 points. He looks much more confident with his stroke. Um, Like he doesn't hesitate anymore when he gets a spot up opportunity on the perimeter but also he's driving more he's attacking closeouts he's he's scoring off the dribble we saw a lot of that from him in game one he's continuing to do the thing where he leaks out in transition and he finds cutting lanes and yeah I mean this is the it's again it's two scrimmages but this is the most complete Mikhail Bridges has ever looked as an offensive player and that's really exciting and that's what you want to see because we know what Devin Booker can do on offense he hit a ton of pull-up threes today and we know increasingly what deandre ayton can do on offense uh, but without kelly this team right now needs a third option and i don't know i was questioning whether mikhail could actually kind of rise to the occasion and fill that role and based on the first two games it looks like he might be able to do that how how do you think like what do you feel about the fact that this is all happening without Kelly Oubre. This is a little early to talk about anything, by the way, and, and just 100%. that's fine, right? Yeah. We have to we have to talk about basketball. It's a podcast we record every week, but from <laughs> what we've seen so far, uh, Mikhail Bridges has a lot of uh, space and room to operate here. Uh, he's driving to the rim a lot more. I'm not sure he could do that with Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre tends to take up a lot of space driving to the rim. Do you think that? That matters. Obviously, this is good for him in the long run, having the the ability, the freedom to do all that he's doing uh, so far. But do you think there's a chance that at some point the Suns have to make a decision on these two guys? And no. I think the, no. Okay, what do you think about that? Uh, no, I, I look. I think you reach a certain ceiling where everyone's uh, field goal attempts are, are going to be limited. You know, there's a there's this point that you reach and kind of, I guess you could say, McHale's usage is capped beyond that point. Um, but that doesn't mean, like, you throw as much talent as you want onto this roster, and, and ultimately the, some guys are going to have to make sacrifices, but the roster is still going to be better for it. Just look at Golden State. You know, Clay Thompson was still able to coexist with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Draymond Green was able to coexist with those guys as well on those teams. Doesn't mean Clay Thompson wouldn't be capable of you know, scoring 25 points per game in his own right as a number one option right. on some team right. a few years ago, but but he made it work. He made those sacrifices. And I think Mikhail is capable of making those sacrifices. And I think, you know, we've also seen a lot of uh, great stuff out of Dario Saric the past two games. And I think Dario is kind of almost operating in 
the same well first of all he had to leave today's game with some sort of rolled ankle or sprained ankle so we'll see what ends up happening to him I hope they have him back in time for next week's games um but but he kind of played like Kelly Oubre a little bit uh he played this high usage role where he was dribbling from the perimeter and Mm-hmm. running pick and rolls and and he was doing some a, a lot of stuff differently than Kelly but he was still taking up a lot of shots. And so my point is that Dario was taking these shots it didn't prevent Mikhail from still taking his own shots and and right, finding his right. opportunities. So no, I'm 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 not really worried um about that. Yeah, if anything these guys taking more shots actually took shots away from DeAndre and I think Yeah, that that's he a good point. Probably I mean, could have shot a little bit more. DeAndre had let's see DeAndre had 7 attempts in game 1. And eight attempts in game two. And keep in mind, he only played 20, uh, 20 minutes in, in both games. But that's not a lot for a guy who's your number two option. So, yeah, if, if they're taking away anything, it's um, it's those, like, low post looks from DeAndre. Like, have we seen DeAndre do a post-up through the first two games? I, no. I don't no. think we have. That's interesting. That must be intentional. I guess if you move him further and further away from the basket and uh, and include a three-pointer, then those post-ups tend to go away. And if, look, if you shoot 100% from three, it's more valuable than any post-up that you can have anyway. Uh, that probably won't continue. They're also running a few different sets as far as how they use DeAndre. And it's, they, they're running this sort of cross-play where he catches it on the, the right wing and dribbles towards the left wing for a handoff where he actually takes a few dribbles on that handoff. There's some freedom on what he can do depending on how the defense reacts to that set. And uh, that's an interesting one. We'll see how that develops going forward. Uh, DeAndre, and I think there were times where he impressed me. There were times where I was a little disappointed in what he was doing. I, I think their timing and their chemistry on defense as a team is still not quite right. But I'm not going to worry too much about that yet. I do think that a lot of DeAndre Ayton, when he frustrates me, a lot of that is shying away from contact a little bit, whether that be offensively or defensively. And honestly, I don't want him to get hurt in these scrimmages anyway, so I'm going to save uh, any sort of criticism as far as that goes until the the games that count actually start here. And they're playing real minutes. like They're not playing real minutes yet uh, here either. But I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that to see if the, that uh, defense can get a little better going forward. There is one new player on the Suns that we should talk about. What do you think about campaign so far? Uh, that's a funny question because I had a kind of, a, a, not, a, not even a hot take, but I think I just got carried away a little bit um, with a tweet about campaign early on in this game. Because I'll be honest, campaign like really impressed me in game one. And I shouldn't get carried away because we've been burned before, right? We all remember Mike James. We remember... Mm-hmm point guards like that in the past for the Suns who are kind of these spark plugs but uh, it's it's just in the nature of the existence of that type of player that they would be hot and cold and I guess we definitely saw that from campaign tonight in game one he was really good tonight he uh shot one of seven from the field and it was it was also disappointing because he had this opportunity all throughout the entire fourth quarter to be that guy who takes control once Booker and Bridges and Aiton were all off the floor and Sarich um, and, and to kind of assert himself as that spark plug as he was brought in to do, and it never happened. Um, but I will say I am mostly impressed with campaign. He is far, 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 far better, like in another universe, um, than Ty Jerome as a backup. He's far better, I think, than Elia Kobo right now, too. And, and like what impressed me about him in game one was every single shot that campaign made. Let me pull up that box score real quick. He had. Uh, 11 points in the last game on five of seven shooting and all five of those made field goals were unassisted it was just campaign creating his own offense 
Uh, a screen comes, top of the key. He steps right around it, pulls up into a three. He hit a nice, like, step-back 18-foot midi at one point. He had a couple drives that ended in these nice, uh, pretty layups. Um, so, you know, all around, just kind of playing that spark plug role uh, that no one else on this bench can play. So I thought that was really exciting in his first game. We didn't really see it in the second game. And I think, obviously, he's not a good enough... I don't know. I I don't want to say anything else about it. Well, I mean, here, I'll say some stuff. I was going to make a uh, prediction, but but then I, I like I just have to remind myself we're two scrimmage games in. It's way too early to say anything about campaign's future. I'll just yeah. say that in the present, he's already better than what I was expecting him to be. I I I will say this: I expected him to be the best point guard off the bench uh, right away because he's the oldest. Honestly, that's the main reason. Uh, you know, you have a guy like a, a guy like Ty Jerome who was thrust into the starting lineup of the first scrimmage game, and he was sort of fined but targeted on every single uh, defensive play by by the other team, by the Jazz uh, going forward, especially in the second half of that game as they made adjustments. Uh, and then you have Campaign coming off the bench, and he did fine. There was some time in this Boston game where he was playing with Javon Carter, Ty Jerome, Cam Johnson, and Czech Diallo. You can't judge him based on that play that's a good point because because like what the fuck are you supposed to do with that what's his role in that lineup is he supposed (laughs) to all of a sudden be like a a scoring point guard where he has to handle the the scoring burden who's the who's the offensive threat it should be cam johnson they're not quite using him right there's no threat well i mean first of all like here's the thing that lineup is just a disaster i don't even blame monty for that because you need to get baines back you need to get sarge was out of the game at that point you need to get kelly back right that but like that running that lineup the three-point guard thing, first of all, doesn't even make sense because Javon can't create offense and Tyke can't create offense. But also because yeah. you're running three-point guards. It's not like, really three-point guards, right? <laughs> it's it's not. It's it's just not. It's like three off-ball shooting guards who are undersized. And, <laughs> and afraid to shoot. <laughs> and afraid to shoot. And like, how do you, like, you want to create more plays for Cam Johnson. Okay, run them off screens. Who's setting the screen? Ty yeah. Jerome and Javon Carter are going to set screens right, right, for, right. for Cam Johnson to run around. Like yeah. there's just yeah. nothing about that. And then Sheck was, Sheck was killing me tonight, dude. I like Sheck Diallo. He's got a cheap team option for next year that, that I'm still very much considering just accepting. Cause why not? You need a third string center anyway, or a, a power forward, whichever one you consider him more of. But dude, like, first of all, the hands, you know, the cement hands and dropping passes. And then like, he took a weird kind of turnaround, 15 footer at one point that got blocked and he was just all yeah. over the place in the worst way <laughs> and uh yeah so he was killing me and and to your point that lineup just there's nothing that campaign can do with that yeah i don't blame him for any of that i think there was some time at the end of the second quarter where he was on the floor with the starters instead of ricky rubio ricky rubio played some extended minutes without devin booker on the floor so they switched out campaign there and it looked fine uh, you know, in a smaller role, I think he'll do fine. Now, having said that, look, I, I obviously I, campaign can change my mind if he if he takes some sort of leap and becomes a little bit of a better player in what could potentially be his last chance to make it in the NBA. But I mean, no matter what, the Suns have a problem where they have the worst guard rotation on the bench of any team in the NBA, and I don't think that's even arguable at this point. And they have to solve that. And if they go into next season thinking campaign is going to be the solution to that, that's a disaster. So, look, maybe he'll change my mind. I'm, I'm willing to say that, but yeah, I don't I don't see it. That's the take. I get it. And I'm glad you, I'm almost glad you brought it up. I just don't want to, like, put my foot down and, and kind of give that bold of a statement yet because I want to give him a chance. 
Um, but I guess like it yeah. begs the question. So what would campaign need to show you in eight bubble games, assuming that's all we're getting, to be like, I actually want him as the primary backup point guard next year. How good would he have to be? I think that, so that partially de- depends on if there's some sort of scoring option on the bench outside of whoever that backup point guard is. Because sure. I think he he could, like, like here's something that I was looking at, and I'm going to piss off some Suns fans by even mentioning this, but say the Suns sign one of those power forwards, right, uh, that are available. We talked about it in our mailbag podcast. Uh, Gallinari, Christian Wood, uh, Davis Bertans, Jeremy Grant. One of those guys gets signed. Now, at that point, you have to consider either putting Mikhail Bridges or Kelly Oubre on the bench. I'm not okay putting Mikhail Bridges on the bench going forward. We're at the point now where we have to say that Mikhail Bridges is an absolute core piece of this team going forward. And that means that you could potentially move Kelly Oubre to the bench. I'm not sure that he'll want to do that. That means that Kelly Oubre becomes what could potentially be uh, a trade piece for the Suns as soon as this coming offseason with one year left on his contract. If you use that Kelly Oubre contract to try and find some sort of bench pieces that could be like more expensive than wow. what would normally be a bench piece... Uh, but something like I, I threw out Evan Fournier as an example of someone that the Suns could get because he makes almost the same as Kelly Oubre. And say you draft Devin Vassell, so you have enough backup forwards with uh, Cam Johnson, Devin Vassell. Now you have Evan Fournier in that backup guard spot. If you have something like that, who's an absolute go-to scorer coming off the bench, a potential six-man-of-the-year candidate, then you can get probably get away with a guy like Cam Payne. Well, Fournier, just, is, a, Fournier is a funny guy because he's benefited from... Playing, you know, if you if you've been on the Orlando Magic for the past like eight years, as Fournier has been, he's never come off the bench. I don't think so. Like I think right. I think he's been a starter for them because you can just do that. So he like he also there needs to be some level of buy in there to be like, hey, you're going to be our sixth man, but it's because you're going to make the playoffs, and he needs to be like certain that that's actually what's going to happen uh, in order to want to pull the trigger on that trade. Yeah, and it's not. Look, I'm not. I'm not even saying that this is something that the Suns should do. And 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 Fournier has one year left on his contract as well. He's uh, 27 years old. He probably wants a big giant contract after that. I'm not sure that he'll get it. I think it's a lot more likely that Kelly Oubre does, and uh, that complicates things for the Suns. I just think there's there's such an opportunity for the Suns to improve. I know we're getting into off season talk already. There's not even the games haven't even started yet, but. Uh, there's such a huge opportunity for the Suns to improve this offseason at the forward position. And that means that what they have to do to shore up that bench position is going to have to come in potentially different ways other than free agency. And now we're going to talk about that uh, later and get into more details on that. I just I just wonder, uh, a lot of this is coming up now that I'm seeing Mikhail Bridges become uh, a little bit better in, in a lot of different areas, and that makes a huge difference for his game because he, he's so important. I just can't imagine benching him going forward in the future. Let so it you be get known, Grant. Mike V. Hill just let two games, two scrimmage games that mean nothing, <laughs> convince him to trade Kelly Oubre. Oh, I've been talking about. You have. I you mean, have you been know. talking. <laughs> you have. We both been talking about it for a while. But I guess I, I like just, Kelly Oubre a lot. I'm just not sure if he's the best fit on this team. And I get the, it. I get and it. And you can't let I him go slow, for nothing. I want to slow you down a little bit, man. It's been two scrimmage games without Kelly. <laughs> and look, Mikhail looks good. He looks like a more complete offensive player. He's still not Kelly Oubre offensively. Not even close. Right. 
Yeah, but do there's I don't think there's any world where he doesn't provide more value on the court than Kelly Oubre does. I'm sorry. I just don't see that. And I, I guess if you just look at the box score, maybe you can say that uh, he does, but I just don't think so. I think the the defensive IQ of Mikhail Bridges makes such a massive difference on the court, uh, regardless of what the scoring is, and I think the scoring will get better. So I don't know. I, I just... I, I'm I'm saying this now. Kelly Oubre is going to be in a lot of trade rumors. Period, he because is. that's You're the way right the media that. works. Yes, and you know I, I'm looking at what could potentially be out there for him right now because of the guys that are available in free agency playing essentially the same position as Kelly Oubre. So uh, I guess we're going to have to get used to it as Suns fans, right? Yeah. So to return us to the original question, because I asked you a right. question. <laughs> no, I, no, it's totally fine. We just got sidetracked yeah. a little bit on offseason stuff. So it sounds like. If the the Suns improve their bench thoroughly enough, then you're okay with keeping Campaign as the backup point guard if he's also good over the next eight games. Was it? What, yes. Is that your final answer? Are you locking? Okay. So what I'm what I'm saying is you can get away with it in certain scenarios okay. where the backup point guard maybe isn't as important as it tends to be in the lineups that we have. Because the Suns have a general shot creation problem outside of Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. Ricky Rubio, of course, not necessarily creating for himself, but for others. Devin Booker being able to do both. Uh, if you find someone that can create their own shot on the bench, then you can fill out the backup guard position in different ways. If you're relying on the backup guard position to be the general shot creator for himself or others on the bench, you're going to have to look at guys better than what we have. And I don't think you're going to solve that in the draft either. No, you're I not. mean, you could get lucky and solve that in the draft, but I don't think that's guaranteed either. Even I mean, some hey, of the best you, guards that are available are like catch-and-shoot shooters mostly. Some guys in the draft are, are great at that. You get the number one pick, you pick Anthony Edwards, then maybe three or four years down the line you've solved that problem, but it's not going to do anything for you in year one. Right. Yeah. So I think even if you do get one of the prospects who where where self-creation is kind of their thing, um, it's a process that the Suns do not have time for um, with Devin Booker's k- kind of, I almost said yeah. biological clock ticking. That's not what I meant. <laughs> but, like, but that is kind of what I mean. You know, like Devin Booker. We need to get him of- pregnant with the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we head to break. <laughs> yeah, I am looking forward, to looking forward to um, the guy we're, br- we're bringing on in a couple minutes. You take us away. He's had a week. Uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's Andrew Lezis who is now on the hook to tattoo his own face because of an unlikely thing happening, which we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. We'll be right back. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, Everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code TIMELINE or DealDash.FM slash TIMELINE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash TIMELINE. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. 
Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, joining us is the man, the myth, the legend, the the, uh, troll. the BR reported Twitter <laughs> troll, Andrew Lezis. Andrew, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How's it going, boys? You know, not bad, not bad. Basketball's back. It's nice to see it on my TV, uh, sometimes more fun than others. But Agreed. you had an interesting week. We got to go through your week. I want to try to, <laughs> I guess more than a week, I want to try and go through each thing sort of chronologically that's happened to you in in the last uh, few weeks and just get your reaction to, to all of this. So first thing that well, preferably you Preferably not everything. I, I'd rather not talk about my girlfriend breaking up with me, but outside of that, <laughs> oh, we can... Well, we can talk about everything else. We might. Uh, we'll take that off the podcast. All right, cool. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, first thing that happened is you tweeted. We'll talk about the initial tweet. The first thing you did is you tweeted, <laughs> if DeAndre makes a three in Orlando, you will get a dominate and face tattoo. <laughs> Just starting there, how serious was that tweet? Um, it was, it was semi-serious. It wasn't like... It wasn't like... I wasn't like in court swearing on the Bible series, <laughs> but I mean, sometimes can I cuss? On yeah, you? say whatever you of want. Of course. Sometimes I wake up, or I wasn't wait. It was like five p.m. But sometimes I don't tweet anything all day, and I see it's like five p.m. I'll tweet something. I'll just tweet some bullshit real quick, <laughs> just see what's like, yeah, what's popping. And then, so I had actually like, uh, I had art. I had uh, had a whole argument with my girlfriend because I said that I wanted to get a face tat, and she said she would leave me if I did. <laughs> and then I asked everybody else in my life if they would like me if I got a face tat, and they all said no. So then I'm like, I'm gonna get a face tat. Like that's kind of like what my thinking was. But I'm like, I need an excuse. Like I, I I want an excuse to do it. So I just. And then I saw like Ain's quotes about how he's shooting them like middies, which I didn't know if that was a good thing or not. But right. he was. He was he was doing that. I'm like, all right, I'll just tweet it. He's not gonna shoot it anyway. He's been talking about this for two years, so it's just like a it was just like a funny tweet, is what it was. So you didn't think he was gonna shoot it? Is or like is well, that what you thought? In my head, it was kind of like also like, I'm like, if he shoots it, cool. Like I'll be happy. And if he makes it, like I'll be happy too. And like nobody's even gonna think about this tweet because like I tweet dumb stuff all the time that nobody cares about. <laughs> but uh, shout out to the Suns who. Were kept, kind kept the receipts to, yeah. in their bookmarks. <laughs> Shout out to Cody Cunningham and Tana Hughes, two <laughs> great people. And, uh, yeah, they tweeted it, like, instantly. They had, like, in the drafts. I don't know what that was about, but, yeah, it, it, it kind of blew up. So the next thing that happened chronologically is the game. The game right. started. The Suns are playing. DeAndre and catches the ball in the corner <laughs> on an out-of-bounds play from Ty right. Jerome. Rudy Gobert is sagging off of him. He does not hesitate. He shoots. He makes the three. It's clean. It's a swish. The form is nice. He looked confident. What were your thoughts when that happened? I was like, he actually shot it. I was like, let's go. Like, I tweeted. I literally tweeted, like, yo, you guys have no idea what this is going to do. And, like, 
I was trying to record and put it on Twitter, get the clip, you know, get the retweets real quick. Um, my brother kept FaceTiming. I'm like, bro, I answered. I'm like, chill out, bro. I'm trying to record this. I'll call you right now. And then I recorded it and I posted it. I was like, wait, why do I have like a billion notifications? And I saw like a verified <laughs> account tweeted at me. I was like, Who, who's that? It's probably like Steve Benko or something like that. And then I was like, <laughs> and it turns out it was the Suns with like a what screenshot a of what I said. Yeah, <laughs> shout out Steve. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then I didn't know so many people were going to care because the Suns have like tweeted at me before. Like, that's not like a flex, but the Suns have tweeted at me before. Like, people don't really care because it's just like whatever. Like, they tweeted like a lot of people. Like, but then like everybody started caring. And then it was kind of like, all right, everybody was like, then I started getting DMs. And like, I mean, it got crazier <laughs> as the night went along, though, for sure. Yeah, because that's when at that point the the Phoenix Suns official Suns account just at Suns tweeted a screenshot of your tweet and said they have the receipts, and then it blew up, and then everyone was tweeting it. It seems like at that point, because it was the Suns, right? The Suns have probably a million followers. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, Bleacher Report reported on it. I think Sports Nation was the first on it. ESPN sent me a notification on my phone later that and night. They retweeted on their account. They retweeted it on their account. NBA at ES- I, on ESPN I didn't, I didn't retweeted even know that was it. It probably got millions and millions and millions of people got their eyes on this tweet. Uh, what did that feel like? What was your reaction at that point? Well, honestly, I didn't even know it was happening at first because, like, after the game, like after all that, um, I I like started. I was working out, so I really didn't know that that was happening until like my friend he FaceTimed me. He's like, yo, Sports Nation posted it, and they tagged me. I'm like, oh, they tagged me? That's lit. <laughs> I'm like, that's dope. <laughs> and then I saw like, ESPN on NBA retweeted. I'm like, oh, that's sick. And then, like, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, damn, I forgot, like, the, how the internet is, though. And then, like, <laughs> I started getting a lot of mean – believe it yeah. or not, there's I got a lot of mean messages. Like what? I, I believe it. I believe <laughs> I this believe guy it said – this guy, he tweeted at me just directly. He said, get the tattoo now, bitch. And I said, I'll sleep with your girlfriend. And then I, I didn't reply to anybody, but he was just such like a frat boy looking dude. And I didn't appreciate him. So I just told him that I would have sex with his girlfriend for no reason. But then like if you look at my Instagram, it has hundreds and hundreds of comments and messages. People just – just they call me names and say – like I was, I was literally streaming that night. Like at, right after that, just like talking on, on stream. And this guy's like, did you get the face tattoo yet? I'm like, it's been like an hour and I haven't left my house. Like, I don't know like, how, how you think this works, but I just didn't get it yet. Okay, but so I know I'm jumping ahead here. Real quick, though. So it's like two or three days later now. Are you yeah. still dealing with people reaching out to you like that? Like, are 100%. You st- like, a lot. <laughs> like, every day. Like, like it's, it's DMs. It's, uh, it, where it's really bad is Instagram. Instagram sure. is the worst. That's interesting. Like, I wouldn't have expected that, to be honest. Oh, Instagram's I, awful. It's it, Instagram, I don't even be posting pictures like that on Instagram because I'm ugly, but, like, <laughs> I, I post, like, sun stuff, and, like, under my last Kelly Uber tweet, it's just, like, it just, like, it, it kind of pisses me off because people are just, like, face tat, dude. Yeah. This guy, this guy, his face fucking tat, and then this guy says, where's the face tat? Like, and it's just like they all just like they all are commenting on my on my latest Instagram post, and they're still DMing me. Like, I have so many requests of people just telling me to get it. This guy, like this guy, I posted a picture of myself on my story, and this guy that I don't know, he just replied. He's from Spain. He just replied, "Face tat." That's it. <laughs> like a command. Like I'm a puppy. He said, "Face tat." I mean, there's one obvious way to get rid of all of those responses. <laughs> that way is to get a face tattoo. Of Dominate and now, 
I'm not going to tell you that you have to get that, but what is your plan? What are your thoughts around this? Well, yesterday when I woke up, I wanted to get a temporary one because... Yeah, I was going to say that would be a good the solution. Funniest. It's a that good solution. That would be solution. the funniest fake out that you could possibly do is post the picture As with the temporary one and then <laughs> fuck with everyone. Oh, it's like, here's the thing. Uh, we talked about like under the tweet. I did clarify it only counted if it was in the in the eight regular season right. games. So like, people are saying you're not a man of your word. Technically, if I was a man of my word, I wouldn't do anything. If that's like the, <laughs> the card you want to play, I don't have to do anything if I want to be a man of my word. Might but I remind me, you? Might I remind you? One of the one of the people who said the phrase "man of your word" <laughs> was Devin Booker himself on the on the podcast <laughs> well, episode. That's that different. That that's different. <laughs> that's different because he he's. Dude, Devin's a fucking troll. Like he he, he <laughs> instigates. He's funny though. Like he's like people don't know that. Like how actually like funny the dude is. Like he's really funny. And he just kept egging it on. Even like after the podcast was over and we we're still streaming, he, he just kept he kept egging it on. Like dude, you gotta chill out, man. Yeah, and for those who don't know what we're talking about right now, what happened later in this week? It was the next day, right after this all blew up. You recorded and streamed a Call of Duty stream that included Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges. The same night. (laughs) Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges, (laughs) which you then released uh, as a podcast on your podcast, which is called Every Day is Sunday, right? Um, And that is an interview, a conversation that you had with Devin Booker. A little bit of Mikhail Bridges sort of sprinkled throughout. Uh, We found out Mikhail Bridges is known uh, as Fig Newton, yeah. By his friends on the team, which was... I had to get the scoop for you it guys. It was vital. You yes. did. That, you got the scoop. That was really I exciting. shouted you out, uh, you, Mike. I did. Yeah, you did. First of all, you chatted him out, and you also pulled up the uh, the actual basketball reference page. There was like a pause yeah. in the podcast for 10 <laughs> seconds while you were searching up the page. Bro, I, I was so just unprepared. Like, I'm the worst <laughs> journalist of all time. Like, if you're listening to this right now, don't go listen to my podcast. I loved it. Fucking it fucking sucks. Yeah, it was, it was really funny. <laughs> it was like, like, it was like performance was like, art. I, it was so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it was interesting because we were playing Call of Duty like while we we're doing it. It was like so right. there was so, split you, focus. You guys missed so like so many conversations because like I would get killed. I'd be like, this guy's a bitch, and then like Devin <laughs> would get killed. He's like, fuck that guy. It's like, yeah, we probably don't want to put all that stuff in right, the podcast. Right. So you, honestly, people missed a lot. Like I could probably like I don't know. If I, yeah, I, I do have the stream saved. Like there's a lot of funny clips in there, but. Oh. I had Mikel there, and I was like, I also told him, like, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Like, I say Michael, Mikel. I, I don't know, dude. Like, I, I asked him, like, how do you pronounce it? And then he told me, but I didn't, honestly, I really wasn't paying attention. But, so I still don't know. But then I was like, you know what? Mike and Sam are always asking, like, what's his nickname? And I see him, like, all right, let me ask him. So I bring up, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're on basketball ref. He's like, really? Let me hear him. I'm like, okay. And then, so I get my phone. I'm like, I look at Mikhail Bridges' basketball reference, <laughs> so I can see the nickname. Your hands are sweating. And like, I read him. The, Gotta do this fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, here you go. And then I'm reading him the nicknames. He's like, hell no, nah, it's not noodles. <laughs> and then I, I call him Go Go Gadget. He didn't really like that one either, but he said his high school coach called him that. Oh, so that one's and, real, yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, he said noodles was too. That he's been called that before, but he doesn't really like. He doesn't like it. He, I don't think he likes praying mantis. I actually think that's kind of cool, to be honest. I mean, but like, Kevin Durant didn't like the Slim Reaper, which is, like, one of the coolest games. That's crazy. Games. That's crazy. Yeah, so yeah that, like that. Was, that was a great it's one. It's difficult, because, I don't know, do the players have to like it? I guess they kind of do. Like, you're never going to call them that in person. It's like, here's the thing. I'll never have the opportunity to call them these names to their face. You're the only one that does. Uh, so I guess it really only matters if you get the approval on the nicknames <laughs> for that. Um, how did that really, how did that come about, by the way? 
That whole what, conversation, that whole night, yeah. Like, what? Uh, well, I was streaming, and I was about to get off. I was like, you know, it's like 9 or 10. I'm like, I'm kind of low-key tired. I might just chill out for the rest of the night. And then I checked Discord, and they were all in Discord. They were just playing. I was like, I'm about to hit them up if they're down to play. And then, like, Dave on reply, like, yeah, let's get in here. I'm going to come down. And then we started playing. But I didn't think Booker was going to want to do the podcast until I got in. He's like, let's record. I'm like, what you mean? Like, we're not going to play? He's like, no, like, while we're playing. I'm like, Damn. okay. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. And, and I told my chat, I'm like, I'm going to stay on, I guess. And we're going to just, we're going to do, like, a live stream of the podcast slash just playing games with, with yeah. Book, Bridges, and Dave. Yeah. Like, that was really cool. I think, and I think you did a good job. And I think anyone would have been probably <laughs> nervous in that scenario because it's like, it's we're all fans. Like you're a fa- ultimately yeah. you're a fan of this guy, and um, I think you handled it well. I think you guys have a good rapport. You sounded like friends talking. You know, nah. The the banter was like really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you guys were throwing a lot of jokes back and forth. Like yeah. when you were asking, you were just pulling questions from the chat, right? Like you were asking yeah. Devin about his favorite shoe, and then you were talking about like. You're trying to get rappers. the shoe the Lisa's twos. Yeah, Lisa's twos. Oh yeah, top five, <laughs> top five rappers. Out. But then yeah. Devin chimes in. He's like, "What happened to the ones?" You know, just just like yeah. stuff like that was really funny throughout. Yeah, I said I'm next level though. I got to get the Lisa's twos to start off. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not starting at ones, but no, yeah. I mean, the first few times that I talked to him, it was definitely like, "Wow, this is like Devin Booker. Like that's crazy." And now, like, we have become friends, which is fucking crazy to say. Like. Because it's, and I have a great relationship with him, his brother, and it's just like, it's really sick. And like he was talking about on the podcast, kind of like with him and Drake, how he was a big Drake fan before you met him. Right. And then you meet him, and then it becomes a respecting. I think, as crazy as it sounds, like me and Devin Booker have a respecting for each other now. It's not like, oh, I'm such a big fan, or it's like, it's not like, oh, he's like, oh, he's a crazy fan. It's just like, like, I'm Andrew, he's Devin, like, we, we get along, like, we have kind of, like, the same personality, right. too, in the sense that... You're close in age, like right? To, it's almost the same Yeah, age. we're s- close in age, we're, you know, we both have the same kind of sense of humor, where it's kind of, like... play the same games. You know, tongue-in-cheek, yeah, 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 we play the same games, we're both incredibly competitive, so it's, like, it's just... He's, he's a cool dude, and, it, and it's kind of crazy, like, we just became friends out of nowhere. Well, I appreciate that you he did won- that. He won't play you one on one, Andrew. Oh, he's yeah. scared. We did he learn that. It. Oh, he's he scared. It. Is that what it yeah. is? <laughs> he's scared, man. I'm not, bro. <laughs> Actually, today, like I tweeted, uh, there's no. Sh- you just can't convince me that Frank Kaminsky or Ty Jerome could beat me one on one. And then, like, he's like, they're se- seven foot and six five, and I just reply, like, they're food. Like, nope, <laughs> against me, like, it's over. I'm nice. I think that's like the new narrative I'm taking. That I'm just like, I'm an NBA level like talent, but like, I just got hurt. Yeah, I- I'm glad it was you because I think if. If it were me in that chat and I learned last second that Mikhail Bridges was also going to be on the chat, I think I would have struggled to not make the interview a Mikhail Bridges interview. (laughs) (laughs) Devin Booker does. I mean, he doesn't. To be honest, Devin Booker doesn't do like a lot of press for the level of stardom that he has. Like he actually does kind of a small amount, but it's still like way more than we get of Mikhail Bridges. Like we get almost nothing of Mikhail Bridges. It would have been, you know, I would have struggled to do that. But I think what the people want is a Devin Booker conversation. So I think you did it right. There was a nice mix of the two of them, uh, and you did a good job. It's just crazy, though, because, like, if you told me four years ago this was going to happen, like, when I was 18, and, like, that's around the same time that the Suns drafted Booker, probably a year after, it's just, like, I was such a big fan. I'm still, like, a huge fan of the guy, but it's, like, I don't know. A lot of times I feel like I'm not even deserving of it, like, like I just tweet stuff, and like for some reason people start like I don't do like even half of the work that you you and Sam do. That like it's really good work, and 
actually insightful. I just tweet dumb shit, and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and like I feel really lucky and like blessed, and it's and it's cool to me. But like when I was thinking about it leading up, like a few days when Booker agreed to do it, because he really doesn't like to do podcasts, he doesn't right. like to do interviews, he he doesn't like that stuff. It was really like. Yeah. A favor like is what it was and, and i told him that i'm like dude i appreciate this like you have no idea what this is going to do for me like and <laughs> it was just like he didn't have to do that at all and i told him that on the podcast and it was just like i i genuinely seriously am so thankful and like appreciative of that yeah you did it you did a great job and i think uh don't discount yourself too much you're, you're funny on twitter which i think is a necessary thing especially for suns fans there's not a lot of levity i think with a lot of suns fans uh especially <laughs> after the last uh, you know 10 years of uh, squalor yeah. But also, I think you rep them well. Like you're you're a huge, huge, huge Suns fan, and you always repped DeAndre and you always repped Devin Booker. Now, speaking of that, yeah, Uh-oh. one other thing that happened Uh-oh. this week. So let's recap what happened so far. You tweeted that you're going to get a dominating face tattoo if DeAndre and hits a three. He hits Correct. a three. The Phoenix Suns call you out. It goes viral, like for real viral, to the point where the next day ESPN was talking Wait, can about I brag it about on something? their broadcasts. Yeah, I just raised my hand here in person, like I'm in school. <laughs> Luca saw me. Luca tagged Aiden on my on the Bleacher Report thing, and I thought that was like the sickest <laughs> thing ever because Luca is my favorite prospect wait, 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 of wait. all time. I'm putting two and two together here. Wait a Luka, second, yeah. Luca so Doncic Andrew. tagged DeAndre Aiden, and then DeAndre Aiden wait blocked you. No, here's what here's what happened. Luca Luca tagged DeAndre Aiden. Yeah. Andrew tweeted being like, yo, Luca oh. tagged DeAndre. Luca's like my favorite Uh-oh. prospect ever. Oh. And then DeAndre blocked you. And that's why. That's, that's where we're coming down. We're coming down with the solution here. Because the last thing that happened, I mean, not the last thing, but the most recent big event here is for some reason, DeAndre, and of all people, blocked you on Twitter. I think it's because of the last DM I sent him. I was kind of an <laughs> asshole. What's that? I- I said, happy birthday. I love you so much, bro. Nothing but the best from me on out. So I'm, I don't blame him. Like, I don't it blame him. I think Sam. I think Sam hit the nail on the head here. I think it all comes down to the, the, the Sun Civil War of 2018, which was Luka Doncic versus DeAndre Ayton. I was, this is a fallout from nobody that Nobody really war. talked about me back then or, or like cared about me. I, I, I fucking... Don't take that off the podcast. That sounds stupid. I don't want to. Like, I don't want to. It's too like late. That. It's here. Back now. then, I mean, God damn it. Okay, well, <laughs> like I was a bit. I deleted so many tweets. Like I was just slander like eight all the time. Like as a prospect, <laughs> I remember because, just because I wanted I wanted Lucas so bad, man. And like I've never felt like more of a clown than after I cried after we won the lottery and I called my best friend. I'm like, we're gonna get Luca. Like we actually got Luca. Like for the first time, we got a prospect that we wanted and loved. And then and people were tweeting like, dude, we're taking eight. I'm like, you guys are so dumb. We're not taking eight. <laughs> we have Igor. The day I think that I gave up on life was probably the day that um, that he had the workout here and he said he knows he's going number one. I was like, wow, we're really not taking Luca. Yeah. I was like, and look at you now. Happens. Now you got his name tattooed on your face, or pretty soon you will. I'm actually gonna get a Luca Magic 77 tattoo on my head. <laughs> Wonder Boy. Now. Because yeah, I'm getting Wonder Boy tattoo on my head because he blocked me. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, Andrew leads us. For those of you who haven't already, make sure to go listen to his podcast that he recorded with Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges. It's very fun, very funny, and you can hear a bit of that competitive side of Devin Booker and get. I think it's the closest we've gotten to see what their actual personalities are like, uh, sort of outside of a normal formal interview. Uh, scenario. They're kind of joking around. They're being 
uh, more casual, which I appreciated. And of course, follow Andrew Leesis on Twitter. You can find him pretty easily. Just search Andrew Leesis. Uh, anything else that you'd like to talk about, Andrew, before we let you go? Um, let's see. Mm, I mean, not really, but I mean, I am 50 followers away from 5,000, which that's there you like go. Go follow him. You'll get there. Yeah. Get there. Uh, by the time people me. hear this, oh. you might be over 5,000. So you'll, yeah, you'll be over by the time <laughs> people hear this. Dude, for sure. Also, idea okay. time. Really quick before okay. we end this, I'm starting a YouTube channel soon. Oh, like, hell that's yeah. kind of like a plug, but like I'm starting a YouTube channel because I feel like I'm on Twitter and I'm kind of on Instagram a little bit. I haven't done YouTube, but you're on I'm Twitch to, too, obviously. I'm on Twitch too. Oh, Twitch TV uh, slash Andrew Lozoya. You can go sub and follow. I play video games and I'm pretty mediocre at them, but I I'm loud. So. <laughs> That's kind of my brand. I'm really like mediocre, but I'm loud. So it's like yeah, That's, like that'll get guy. you a long way in life. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Andrew, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, guys. DeAndre Ayton for three. DeAndre Ayton for three. Ayton, Ayton, Ayton. DeAndre Ayton for three. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.